Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Francesco Ainsbury. How are you doing, Francesco? Buonasera, Sam. I'm very well, thank you. Good to have you on as always. And James Brook, been a while, James. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, Sam. Been enjoying the um, Serie A on BT Sport now, which is a nice a nice kind of change. I thought we might get the call for, for the hosting right to that, but, you know, we'll see. Maybe next season. I think we're in capable hands of a Horncastle and Richardson, but I think we'll get the inevitable call probably probably next season. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're waiting, waiting for that phone call still. Let's see if it comes. Um, but again, I seem to be saying this every week, but it was another excellent weekend of Serie A action. And we're going to start with, we'll start with Sunday night, actually, the final game of the weekend, which was Atalanta hosting Milan. Um, and I think this, this was a really impressive performance from Milan, Francesco, right? Um, big test for them away away in Bergamo. Um, they ended up winning 3-2, but were actually 3-0 up with just sort of three or four minutes to go. So actually a fairly comfortable win. Really good performances all over the park. I'm going to start with Tonali, actually, because I know he's a player we talked about a lot over the last few weeks. Another really good display from him. Got himself a goal. And he's now, of course, been called up to the Italy squad to replace Pessina, who got injured in this game. So so do you want to sort of uh, sing his praises again for us? Yeah, um, I think this uh, this was probably the best performance by any team in Serie A this season and um, Tornali was again central to it um, I think I think I've been surprised by how good he's been this season um, I know that you asked us maybe a month ago on the podcast if we thought that he'd stay in the team because of how good Kessier and, and Benacer are and I I didn't think he would stay in the team. I thought he would struggle to hold on to his place, but now it seems like he is very much the first choice. And his performance yesterday, you know, shows why he is the first choice. I, I think the other thing that's a little bit surprising is how complete a central midfielder he is. Uh, I think he does everything. He's all action. And his goal kind of sums up all of his qualities. The fact that he was pressing Freuler basically on the edge of the Atalanta box. And then once he wins that ball back, he has all the technical ability and kind of calmness of thoughts to to just pick his spot and finish excellently. And yeah, he is, he seems like the complete midfielder and the fact that he's been called up to Italy is not at all a surprise. Um, I think maybe it's surprising how quickly it's happened, but it's definitely deserved. And also, you know, I'm sure that he is making Mancini think about whether he should possibly even be starting games because he is playing that well. That Italy midfield is is simply ridiculous, really, isn't it? Um, I think you can make a case for Tonali being anywhere sort of in that. I, I don't know where he is in that pecking order. There's sort of six or seven central midfielders where he really could be anywhere. You know, I, I think originally he was left out of the squad for Brian Cristante. I couldn't really agree with that one personally, but uh, no. but he's in there now. Um so many really good individual performances actually in that game, James. Uh, with Frank Kessier, um, he's been a bit off the boil actually the last few weeks. There's been some talk about is, is that to do with his contract issue um, or obviously just coming back from injury. But it seemed like this was maybe his best performance of the season. I mean, he's so key. If if Milan want to replicate what they did last season and, and perhaps better it, um, obviously, the contract situation isn't ideal for anybody. 
Um, uh, but I think that, that it isn't sorted yet, I think is a little bit worrying. If I was a Milan fan, I'd be worried that it's not kind of sorted yet because it is obviously kind of affecting him slightly. It could just be a dip in form, but you have to say his performances have, have dipped off from where they could be. So it does happen to players that it, it affects them in that way, but that it isn't resolved yet and that his head doesn't look like it's quite there. I would suggest either he's already sorted something maybe with another club um, or he's, he's just kind of preparing that he's leaving because it rarely happens that a player has a year left on the deal, goes off the boil like that and then wind up signing a new contract. You don't really see that happening. Um I think it's it's very important for them that Tonali has turned up and, and started to play the way that he has because it's almost kind of papered over the, the fact that Kessie has kind of dropped off. Um, I think it's important that he does get back to somewhere near the level that he was at last season just because uh, Ben Asser still looks like he's a little bit fragile with his injury worries. Um, and I'm not really sure who comes in if... Um, if if Kessie's not performing well and if Ben Asser is injured, I'm not sure what the third option is there. So I think it's important that he does get back to that level, and it's and it's good that he's that he's shown that against a good team in in a big game for them. So we'll see if if his head can kind of uh, come round a bit. But I would be slightly worried about that if I was a Milan fan. Yeah, I I agree with James about a lot of things. I think one of the points he makes about maybe um, Kese already having an offer on the table or knowing that someone else is is interested and will pay him a certain amount of money that possibly Milan won't match is possibly the situation. It's not clear. But I think one of the things that is very, very impressive about what happened on Sunday is how purely after a kind of a lot of people felt that Kese let Milan down in midweek by getting sent off in in a kind of in a stupid way. I know I know it possibly wasn't sending off, but it's probably a tackle he shouldn't be making. After that, he's brought him back into the team. He's make it, he's he's kept him central to the project to and and purely has kind of taken everything that's happening off the pitch away from the situation. He's just saying, right now he's my player and he's gonna play. And I think this was Kesse's best performance of the season. And I think there is a good chance that Kesse will leave at the end of the season. But I also think that Pioli knows that he is a real asset right now. And this Milan team is in great shape. I think, uh, you know, Sam, you asked us a couple of weeks ago if, if um, who, who kind of the real runners were in the, in the leagues in, the, in potentially winning the Scudetto this season. And I kind of dismissed Milan. I, I said they weren't ready. But this last week has showed me that maybe they are. I, I think I am changing my mind a bit. I think they are in the mix. And if Kessier is central to the season, like James says, he's such an important player, then I think that that increases their chances of being in that race right up to the end of the season, you know, dramatically. So I think it's it's good that Purely just doesn't let that that contract situation affect them because having Kessier from now until the end of the season will still be a great thing for Milan. And also they've shown, you know, they've got a couple of, probably more than a couple, but a couple of recent precedents where losing players at the end of their contract is maybe not the end of the world. We've seen how well Magnan has done. We've seen how well Brian Diaz has done and how they haven't really missed Chanaloglu and, and Donnarumma so far this season. So it, we could have another situation like that. I just wanted to ask Francesco, what do you think is the, what's what's Pioli's plan if Kessie isn't performing and if Ben Asser, like he has shown so often, can't stay fit? What do you think, where do you think he goes from there? Because for me, that's, 
absolutely key to you say you think they can challenge. I think you're right, but I think it is key for those that midfield area. Tonali obviously has it in him to be the key man. He's shown that. And if Kessie's alongside him, no problem. But what do you think happens? Where do you think they go if um, they need another option? Because I can't really see who, who it is. Yeah, that is a great question. And I'm not 100% sure who we'd go with. I guess he might go with Krunich there. But um, I think having all three of them and keeping Kessier so that he is still actively part of this squad is important so that they have those three options to cover, you know, what is two positions. Yeah, I think you're probably right with Krunich there, although he has sort of also tended to play him a bit higher up the pitch as well. So we'll see with that. Just one more thing I wanted to touch on with Milan. As I said, so many great performances. Also, shout out to Davide Calabria, who's now in the Italy squad as well. He was he was phenomenal. Uh, and Rapoli out with an excellent goal as well. But something that I wanted to touch on uh, at the defensive end of the pitch, uh, that Bikayo Tamori tackle. Um, it's been doing the rounds on social media. How how good was that tackle? It's you know it's, it's very rare that you see something like that going around on social media. It's more the goals or a trick or something. It's pretty special, hey? Yeah, I uh, w- when I saw it live, just because you just don't see those tackles in the more in penalty areas anymore. Did you think it was a penalty? Areas, I, yeah, I just thought this is definitely going to be a penalty. You can't That's exactly what I tackle, thought. <laughs> you can't tackle like that in twenty twenty one, and for it not to be a penalty. So it is, it's almost the perfect tackle. It's the only way you can tackle like that in, in 2021 and for it not to be a penalty. He times it perfectly, he gets the ball cleanly. Um, and I think you're right to underline, uh, you know, Tamori because he is another one of those players who's just come in and been so, so good for Milan. Um, probably better than I expected. And you, you've mentioned a couple of Italy's players who've been called up to the national team. Um, I think it would also be right to, to mention how Tamori's back in the in the English national team and that is absolutely deserved and you know personally I, I don't follow the Premier League that closely but when I do see uh, you know Stones and remind me who, who the Manchester United guy is? Uh, Maguire. Yeah when I see those guys play I just think how is Tamori not in this side based on what I'm seeing at Milan? Um, you know I, obviously I don't see them as much as some people but uh, for me, he would be absolutely a first choice. Well, I, I think he's definitely. I think he's definitely got a good chance of playing this uh, this break because Maguire's injured. So really, he's battling with a spot uh, for a spot with uh, the likes of Connor Cody and Tyrone Mings. And I think I think we'd all agree he's been in better form than those two. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying he's as he's anywhere near as good. Uh, but just throwing it out, that sort of tackle reminded me a bit of a sort of Nesta tackle where you sometimes see these Twitter clips going around and you think, well, surely that's going to be a foul. And then he sometimes gets a toe on the ball and it that that sort of last ditch unbelievable tackle just reminded me a bit of a Nesta tackle. I, I don't know if you I agree at all. Yeah, I don't think that's a ridiculous comparison. Uh, he has similar qualities to Nesta in that he's athletically he's excellent, but also he seems to be, he seems to read the game quite well. He seems positionally he's very good and technically he's strong, but what I like about him is he doesn't mess around. So he is, he has got the technique and the ability to play out of defense, but he doesn't do anything stupid. And Nesta was very much like that. When he needed to boot the ball into the stands, he did that. But he was he could also play a bit. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that comparison stands up. Obviously, Tamori's really young. And, you know, it'd be nice for him if he goes on to have the kind of career that Nesta had and to be as good as Nesta. It's probably early to say if that will happen or not. But um, 
you know, at the moment, uh, yeah, he, I think he looks excellent. He was just yeah, missing but, that kind of uh, belly bump, whatever you'd call it, that Italian defenders love to do after they make a, a goal-saving block or something. That's a very Italian thing, isn't it? Bonucci and Chiellini always performative kind of celebrations after they block. He needs to learn how to do that a bit better than Tamori. In England, we just make the tackle, get up and get on with it. He needs to learn to to play to the crowd with those kind of things, but he'll get there. He'll get there. Definitely. Um, James, I just wanted to, just last thing on this game, so I know we've stayed on it a while. From an Atalanta perspective, bit of a tough week for them. They're doing well in the Champions League, of course, but they lost Robin Gersons in that game. Uh, looks like he's going to be out for around two months, I'm hearing. Um, and they, they did seem to sort of look a bit out of ideas in this game. Some quite poor performances from their side. Um, 11 points from seven games, already 10 points off the pace. A little bit of a concerning start for them? I don't think... I wouldn't be... I mean, it's a slightly disappointing start, I would say, rather than concerning. I think there's obvious issues, like you say, Gerson's is a massive part of the way they play. And I don't think they do have a like-for-like um, change, necessarily. I think Mel has been the the one who's... He, yeah. he came in, yeah. didn't he? And, and he's obviously right-footed. Uh, and, and that slightly imbalances, I think, the way they want to attack... Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be concerned. They're notoriously slow starters, aren't they? Um, every year we think maybe they've been found out slightly and they do seem to find a way. So I wouldn't be concerned. It's um, slightly disappointing, but nothing more than that, I would say. I think they'll be, I don't think they'll be going for, for the Scudetto, but I think they'll be there or thereabouts Champions League again. And if they're not, look, it's, it's been a fantastic few years for them. And I don't think they'll be too hard on themselves if they don't manage to, to get into the Champions League again. I think they're a very well-run club and they'll have options and ideas for every scenario, whether they get in the, in the Champions League or not. And I, I wouldn't be concerned at all about Atalanta. They'll have been disappointed not to win this because I th feel like they could have done. Um, and the way that they, they fell behind and to go behind um, you know, so convincingly as well will have been disappointing, but I wouldn't wouldn't worry too much. No. Yeah, some sloppy goals they can see on the weekend, no doubt. But uh, we'll see how they bounce back after the international break. Another team on eleven points after seven games, Francesco is Juve. Um, they've got their slightly different route though. They're now on a bit of a run um, with, with uh, I think three wins on the trot now. They, they beat Torino 1-0 in the Turin derby this weekend. Um, the winner from Locatelli. Do, do you think they're sort of firmly back on track, particularly after that Champions League win against Chelsea as well? Or did the first half performance, for example, against Torino still slightly concern you? I think this is, um, they are back on track. And this is kind of the the Juve that we saw under Allegri's first Stint in charge, um, a lot more solid. I think that's three um, clean sheets on the bounce. And Tori, you know, the, the fact that they struggled a little bit with Torino doesn't worry me too much because I think Torino are, are going to be a very awkward side for everyone to play this season. Um, and I think it's very encouraging that Juve managed to pull out a result, um, maybe not playing their best and have you know missing some important players um it seems like allegri has found kind of a system um the concern for me with juve is maybe that it's still they're still not exactly where they need to be tactically still not very clear on where everyone needs to play 
and also that the players who come back like Dybala for example are going to probably change the way they need to play so it's finding the best position for all those players but the fact that they seem to have shored things up defensively uh, is going to make a big difference and yeah they are climbing the table it's not that surprising that they're climbing the table but I, I actually think that this win was was actually a really good win. I think a lot of teams are going to struggle with Torino, so definitely a positive uh, for you over this weekend. And a really nice winning goal as well from Locatelli, who seems to be settling in at Juve uh, uh, now. Um, another thing that's been quite interesting, James, and, and Francesco sort of touched on it there with the sort of system that Juve are playing. Allegri sort of adopted a bit of a false nine a couple of times. Uh, Chiesa was sort of really effective in that position against Chelsea. And I'm wondering, we saw how effective Chiesa was from the right wing in the Euros, and that's where he's tended to play for most of his career. But but do you think that perhaps he can be a really good player in a more central role as well for them? Or do you simply prefer him out on the wing? Um, I I really don't know, to be honest. I think. Person, I think that Chiesa is probably at the moment probably the best player in the league. Um, I'm, I may be up for up for debate, but in my opinion, I can't see anybody who's 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 quite as dynamic and quite as effective as he is. And I think he's most effective when he's got space to run into. Um, and I'm not sure that he necessarily always has that if he plays certainly as a false nine. But the the problem then is that I don't know. What system Allegri? It is difficult because they have a lot of players, but they don't have a lot of players who tend to fit into the same system. If that kind of makes sense, if if I was playing a false nine, if I was Allegri, I think the, the player who probably fits best is probably Dybala, um, maybe Kulusevski. And then if I if I was Allegri, I'd probably ask them to to play as a false nine, Chiesa, and have him on the left. Um, darting into that space in behind, but then the trouble is, is if you want to play that, I don't think all their best left their best left footed players are both Dybala and Kulusevski. They don't really have a, a Chiesa alternative to play on the right if you wanted to play that way. Um, so I I think he's he's toying about with it a little bit, trying to see what fits best, and I'm not 100 sure to be honest. But it is I think crucial that he does find where's the best place to use Chiesa because. For me, I don't know if you agree, but I think he is the best player in the league at the moment. And because they, they're still finding the feet a little bit, um, I think he can be the difference. I think he's a special player. And I think he could, in a time when they're not as strong as they have been, I think he could be the difference. So finding or finding how he can play with Moise Keane as well, because I think he's somebody who can have a huge impact. I think working out the best way to use those, and with Dybala, is uh, is key, and I don't necessarily know the answer, <laughs> but I would like. I do think he's best when he has space to run into, uh, into either either diagonally into the box or beating players down the wing. Um, you've got Morata to to consider as well, so he's got plenty of options. But I think there's almost too many options who all fit better in different systems to fully work out settled system. If that's clear, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, well, I, I think, as you say, Allegri's still trying to work it out for himself. I think there were some rumours that, you know, perhaps him and Chiesa weren't getting along so well the opening few weeks of the season. But Yeah, he's uh, not been they, used maybe as much as, much as I, I had expected him to be. Um, but maybe that is still just trying to figure out where best to use him. I'm not sure. But Bernadeschi's getting games as well, and, and I'm not sure he's necessarily in the best 11. So we'll see what he eventually settles on. Yeah, perhaps a bit of a Euro hangover as well, of course. That, that, that's only a couple of months in the past. Um, 
from Juve, uh, who are getting there to a team that have been perfect throughout the season, Napoli, 21 points from seven games. Um, how important was this win, Francesco, do you think, getting a 2-1 win coming from behind um, after they'd had a sort of chaotic loss in midweek against Spartak Moscow, you know, a game where they went ahead at the start, had a red card, lost 3-2. Really important for them to bounce back quickly, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the game against Spartak Moscow is a bit of an outlier. Um, I, I think it's just one of those games where, you know, you end up having a man sent off and things don't go your way. Um, and that can happen. Um, but the fact that they went behind against Fiorentina, who are a, a very good side this season, I think, and were able to to pull out a win, um, it shows the kind of quality this side has. And that they are, you know, I think they're in it to win it. I think they they have a real chance this season. And um, I think it's impressive how they didn't really panic. And you always felt, even when they were behind, that, it, you know, they could win the game. Um, and it wasn't at all surprising that they did do that. So I think things are looking really good for Napoli. And yeah, as I said, I I, I don't read too much into that Spartak uh, result. I think it's uh, it's just one of those Europa League nights where, where things don't go your way. Yeah, Europa League can throw up some bizarre results at times. Um, but overall, an outstanding start to the season for Napoli, James. What do you think sort of been the main difference for them so far this season, going from a team just outside the top four to genuine title contenders? Would you, would you say it's Osimhen's form or Koulibaly being fully fit? The the addition of Zambo and Giza, what sort of stands out for you, do you think? Well, I think the one that you've missed there is the is the managerial appointment. I think Spalletti was a was an inspired choice really to to manage them. I think they they obviously did ended the season very well last year, and they sorry my dog's just here. I don't know if you can hear her. She's waggling <laughs> her head around. She's a she's a noisy god. Sorry. So she, so yeah, I think Spalletti was was exactly the right man to to take charge of the the, the kind of the attacking talents I've got. He's maybe used to uh, operating under a kind of a, a not the not the best team in the league, um, maybe slight underdogs. He's used to those kind of constraints. So I think he he he's going to take them to to a better place than they have been the last few years. But maybe it's just a slight mentality shift as well. I think the Juventus result uh, was absolutely huge for them coming as early as it did in the season because I think that gave them the belief that they're not just there to be uh, kicking around fifth or sixth. They can have a say in in what this in where this scudetto ends up. Um, and I think that's that's propelled them into the kind of into the run that they're on now. Obviously, Aussie men's been excellent um, as he was when he was fit last year. So we'll see if he can if he can stay fit and carry that on. But I don't know whether he's whether he's exactly the key man. He was he he's a finishing is slightly erratic at times still. Um, he, he has every all the tools needed, but he, he I think he can still improve as well. Um, and I think the de- defense. It's important you mentioned Koulibaly. I think the defense. They've only conceded three goals. I think so far. Um, I think that's the best in the league. I think, and it's been quite a settled kind of back four or five. It's been um, the same four players in front of usually Ospina. Um, aside from from Manolas has occasionally been in and out, but it's been this. The other three have remained the same. And Koulibaly, I think people forget just how good he is. I think because he hasn't made that move that maybe people expected he might do um, a couple of years back, I think people have, have largely kind of um, forgotten about him or just 
assumed that he's no longer as good as he was, maybe because he's turned 30. That's what we seem to assume now. Um, but he is, he's phenomenal and he's so important to, to them. And, and Zambo Anguisa as well has been, has been a great addition. So I don't think they're going anywhere. I don't think it's sustainable that they can carry on the run that they're on at the moment. But having said that, looking at some of the fixtures they've got coming up, they're not the hardest in the world. So they could easily be looking here um, winning the first 10, nine or 10 games, which would be unbelievable really from, from where they ended uh, or where they finished the last couple of years. I think what I, what I would say is that they'll be disappointed, or not disappointed because they couldn't have done any more, but the fact that they're only two points clear of Milan and, and only four clear of Inter having having won all the games, it must be a little, a little bit annoying for them. I mean, you know, there's not much more you can do when you're only sitting two points clear of, uh, of the team in second. It would be, for me, slightly frustrating, but couldn't have asked for more from them, really. I think um, James is right to underline Spalletti because one of the things that seems to be very evident is that everyone is pulling in the same direction. I think in the last two seasons, we had that whole mess with Ancelotti where everyone seemed to be at odds with everyone else. And last season, uh, for some reason, De Laurentiis went chasing another manager mid-season, which upset Gattuso. And then I think that ruined what could have been a very successful season for Napoli. I think that cost them last year. At the moment, everyone seems to be working in harmony under Spalletti. And I think James also mentioned how normally Spalletti is kind of working with the underdogs. We saw what a good job he did with Roma in the past in Serie A. And, and even with Inter, I think his work at Inter is kind of underrated because he got them back into the Champions League. And uh, with, with the exception of his time at Zenit St. Petersburg, I think this is the first time that he has a squad capable of winning the league. So I think the motivation at the moment for, for him must be really high. I think there's everything there for Napoli to succeed this season, including the manager. Um, the other point I'd like to make is just because we mentioned all three of them, Ozyman, Koulibaly and Zambangisa, I feel like Napoli are the most, um, are the side who are most dependent on African talent in Serie A. And the African Cup of Nations is coming up this season. So it will be interesting to see how they cope when possibly all three of those players, plus I think Adam Unas, who's, who's had a bit of a bit part for them this season. But when, when they're possibly all three not available at the same time, that's going to be an interesting time for Napoli. Yeah, very good point, actually. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how, how they cope with that. I just want to touch briefly on, on a big story coming out of Fiorentina the past day or so as well. Um, Comiso, the owner, has, has pretty much confirmed that Vlahovic has turned down a new deal. So it looks like he will probably be on his way next summer, probably. Maybe January, but probably next summer. Is that a shame for you, James, that that such a big emerging talent is probably going to be leaving Serie A in the next 12 months? It's definitely a shame, but it's not a surprise. Um, I was, to be honest, slightly surprised that he did stay this summer. Um, I thought that they might cash in on him. Um, I think testament to Comiso and to uh, Italiano, maybe for the, the, the ambition that they have for the club, that they did reject well by all accounts rejected very good offers and for him to stay there um it is a shame because you know in terms of taking the league aside for a point uh, for a second which obviously we've seen big names go this summer it's disappointing but just in terms of Fiorentina as well they do seem to have uh well they've started the season well they seem to have that ambition they've got a nice kind of young squad of players 
who look like they could cause some uh, disruption to the top kind of six, seven this season. So Vlahovic is the kind of the face of that and he's seen that transition through. So it would be a shame for him to leave. But having said that as well, if you can get good money for him, I know there'll only be a year left on his deal, but that doesn't seem to make too much of a difference these days. He's what only scored penalties pretty much this season. He's a disruptive influence kind of in, in the box, but he seems to have uh, not quite had the impact that he we maybe thought he could in the early stages of this season. So it could be that it ends up being a really good deal for Fiorentina. You just never know with a player like that, to be fair. Yeah, I, I like Comiso a lot. I, th- I think he's an interesting character. I think he he loves football and I think he genuinely wants Fiorentina to do well. He's ambitious, but I do question the timing of this. Um, I don't really know who it's helping because Vlaovic has still got two years, well, the best part of two years left on his contract. So I, d- I don't know what this is doing apart from letting teams know that he's definitely going to leave eventually. So, you know, why don't you just come in for him? And it's probably taking you know, a little bit of value off of him that, that this, this, uh, you know, statement that he's released. Um, on the other hand, you know, what are Fiorentina supposed to do? They just do not have the economic clout to keep a player like Vlaovic. It's impossible for them to keep him. So this, this was inevitable, I think. Um, you say, Sam, that he's probably going to leave Serie A. I hope, and I think there is a chance that he might move within Serie A. I've heard yeah, you know, it could go to Juventus, I've heard. Yeah. Juventus. And also, you know, depending on how long he stays at at, uh, at Fiorentina, because if he does see out his contract, maybe there are other clubs with ageing forwards who possibly have a little bit more money, like Milan. And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Inter, but possibly in, in a year's, year and a half time, there might be a different, you know, economic situation there and they'll be looking for a centre-forward. So, yeah, it would be a shame if he left the league um, but yeah, what can Fiorentina do? Is there? It's I guess the secret now for all clubs is to do what Milan have been doing, which is just accept that sometimes you're not going to have the money to keep these players. They essentially can leave once this situation comes about, and then it's about finding the right replacements. And I guess that's what Fiorentina need to look at now. Well, speaking of aging forwards, there that that might need replacing at some point, and that brings us nicely on to Inter, uh, who won this weekend two one against Sassuolo, coming from behind a bit like Napoli, and Edin Dzeko was was heavily involved in this game. Um, couple of controversial penalty calls in this game, one for either side. I'll, I'll come to you first, Francesco. What what did you make of the penalty decisions in this game? Uh, you're talking about Hand- the Handanovic? Yes, the Handanovic one on. I think it was Defrel, and then there was Dzeko with Consili. Yeah. So I think Handanovic is a bit lucky. Um, a bit? To, yeah, <laughs> not to get some off. Because I think he... It looks like he's trying to get out of the way, but I'm not really sure he is. I think he's leaving his leg there, and and possibly with his elbow as well, whilst he's not trying to hit... Frau, he's trying to make sure he hangs around and stays in the way. But at the same time, I do think that Frau has decided, once he's kicked that ball past Andanovic, he's decided he's going down, whatever. And he's starting to fall before he comes into contact with Andanovic. And so that is not the kind of behaviour that I feel we should be encouraging. I also hate to see players sent off when, you know, they're not doing something seriously wrong deliberately. And I don't really feel Handanovic was doing that. So even though I feel he was lucky, I almost feel like it's the right decision. So I'm kind of 50-50 on that one. 
with the inter penalty, I think it's it's a definitely a penalty. And um, yeah, with that Handanovic one, it's almost it was to me. It looked like you know when you try and get out of somebody's way and they move the same way as you, and you kind of dance a bit. The friend looked like he kind of. He, he was trying to take it round Handanovic and he was kind of expecting him to kind of, I don't know, go the other way for some reason. And he looked a bit surprised that he kind of went the same way as him and went into his path. So I don't think he was expect. I don't think he went down easy for me. I think he just, he was a bit shocked to find this big bulking gentleman in his way. And, James, uh, come on. He could come get on, He is definitely... <laughs> you think so? I it's a symptom of, it's not just the Frau. I haven't, you know, I haven't got a specific problem with the Frau. It's a symptom of all forwards. And too many of them now are oh, just, I agree. they're just always looking for contact. No, and you're Defrau, right. I think, I think the Frau can definitely stay on his feet and just go and score the goal. He's got an open I goal. I don't think he, he could have done. I don't think, I don't I think, think he was is, it, Because he, t- he tapped him on his cheek, he had to fall down. He, he, he was in his path. The ball was gone and he was in the way. He I d- blocked I just, him off. I feel like it's there's too it's gone too far that I, I'm not one of those people who wants to see people like in in the past where people just used to smash into each other and yeah no I agree but I know where you I know but, where you get Francesca you're like right. we've gone too we've gone too far the other way where where any contact is now a foul and a sending off and a penalty and the yeah. has decided I think the already decided he's decided if the keeper goes that way I'm just going to go down I'm going to make sure I get touched and I'm going to go down I think Handanovic is lucky because. In a lot of games, we see that kind of exactly the same situation where keepers do get, you know, it is called a foul and keepers get sent off, but it's not something we should be encouraging. And I feel like the foul probably can stay on his feet and score. Maybe, maybe. But he didn't. And that should, like, there's no difference really from the Concili one, apart from Concili kind of gets back and and has a go at getting the ball um, and kind of takes him out. So it's it, for me. They were very similar incidents, and I can see definitely why. Yes, Aswola would be really aggrieved not to get the penalty. Um, sending off, I wouldn't have sent him off. I wouldn't have done no, no. But the penalty but, I thought but, was would have been that's, fair. That, but it's not in the penalty area, though, is it? So, so that, that's the thing. It's it's oh, like yeah. you. What is the punishment there? You've stopped a goal. It's not going to be a penalty. What do you do? You you. I think they're they're asking for a sending off. I think they're outside of the penalty area, so it was never going to be a penalty. They're they're asking for a sending off. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. What am I thinking? But yeah, he's well. Then he should have been sent off. <laughs> In my opinion, yeah, he should have been. I, I think I think you could argue about this one this one all all evening. Um, <laughs> we'll move we'll move on slightly though. So. I, I've seen a, a, a little bit sort of, oh, we've been to getting these couple of huge home wins and then having difficulties in other games. You know, perhaps the argument put across, are, are they sort of the flat track bullies? But their wins the last couple of uh, games, um, you know, beating Fiorentina from behind, beating Sassuolo from behind. Have they sort of firmly put that up to bed, James, do you think? And and shown that they're, they're ready to fight for the title again this season? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we, we we've been guilty maybe of forgetting that the they are champions. That okay, they lost Lukaku, they lost Hakimi. The rest of the squad is is more or less the same. Okay, the management's changed, but I think we would underestimating underestimating maybe just how much of an impact it has on players to to get over the line and win a win a title. They didn't win the title for nothing last year. Um, they were brilliant and they, they they found different ways to win last year too. Sometimes they go out and batter teams. 
uh, other times they need to be more patient and they would do that. So I think it's just a sign that they're of a very good team that they can win uh, in different different types of ways. They don't always need to score five or six, but they are capable of doing that. Um, I think it's just a sign of, a, of an excellent team. And I think the job that Inzaghi is doing so far is uh, is really, really impressive, actually. I had expected them maybe to, to drop slightly. And OK, maybe they have a touch, but they, but Dzeko's fitted in seamlessly. And it's so impressive how he can just keep on scoring goals. He's almost a guarantee of goals in this league. And I, I think they will be there or thereabouts. I've been more impressed than I thought I might have been by Inter. As you say, Inter do, doing a really good job so far in defence of their title. Uh, but one team who's sort of really sort of stuttering along at the moment, Lazio Francesco, lost 3-0 this weekend. Uh, I want to start with Bologna first, actually, who, who were the side that beat them. Um, are they perhaps the most unpredictable team in the league? Because it seems that they either get battered, hand out batterings, or are just involved in bizarre games with about seven goals and three red cards. Yeah, I'm. I can't predict them. Uh, I think Ellis said last season that they, uh, not last season, last week that they they're basically rubbish and uh, they were going to struggle for the rest of the season. It was worrying where they were going, and then they come up with this. And I think I also said that they probably wouldn't be able to change things tactically, and that's exactly what they did. I think they went back to a, they went to a three man defence, and it really worked out for them. And yeah, it was extremely an extremely impressive performance from Bologna, and um, hopefully, it means that they can climb the table and you know start to start to build something uh, towards kind of a, a bigger goal, which is what they have been lacking over the last kind of two or three seasons. Really good goal in that game from Musa Barrow as well. James, do you want to touch on Bologna as well? Yeah, I just want to say I think it's a little bit of a reflection of the the manager's personality, the way that the games for Bologna kind of go. He's a colourful kind of character and um, a bit unpredictable himself. But I think it's maybe the fact that they have uh, they've got a young squad and I think they've got a lot of talent in that squad. You mentioned Barrow there. Obviously, that finished first one was excellent. And they've got other younger players in there who I think have quite a lot of potential. But I think the po- the problem possibly is that there isn't enough leadership in the team um, other than kind of Di Silvestri and Nautovic, who isn't, who isn't really a, a natural-born leader, shall we say, um, and Madel Made- as well, who's a little bit of a hothead. They haven't really got anybody in there who can properly steer the team and, um, and, and be that real focal point when things aren't going well. And I think that Mihailovic isn't quite a good enough manager to change things when things aren't going well. So I feel like the team have talent and they have quality so when things go well, they are capable of handing out results. Like you say, um, they can batter teams and they did that to Lazio this uh, this weekend. But when things aren't going well, I don't think they have that leadership within the team to change it. And I don't think Mihailovic is, is a good enough manager to change it either. So I think they rely on him for a lot of their kind of their leadership Um within the team and he isn't quite good enough to pull them up to the level that they need to be sometimes. So I think they show the quality sometimes, but they're not quite there yet because the young players and when it's not going well, it goes really poorly for them. So I think they'll probably be around mid table, which is, which is where this, where they are at the moment. But I think with a better manager, as we've kind of said before on the pod, I think they could be capable of, of doing a little bit better than that. So maybe they just need to bring in a couple of older heads who aren't, you know, 
Arnautovic and <laughs> and kind of mad uh, just a couple of steady players who can who can just do them keep them ticking along keep them steady when things aren't going so well so I really like Bologna I really really do and it frustrates me that they they can't I don't know who the answer is but it frustrates me slightly that they can't get a slightly better um or not a better but a slightly more adventurous and uh, more kind of stable manager yeah, but but I mean we we sh- we saw their potential this weekend, but but from a Lazio perspective, Francesco really disappointing. And Sari came out afterwards and was talking about how there was a lot of fatigue, and he's got of course a, a couple of injuries at the moment. Immobile missed that game, but is that a concern so early on in the season? And we've seen this before with Sari's teams with Napoli and Chelsea, how sometimes they run out of steam a bit, and he's not really a big fan of rotation, so. Is that quite a concern for them, only seven games into the season? I think compared to the other sides who are kind of, we're expecting to challenge for the European places and possibly for the Champions League places, Lazio have a squad that is less deep. Um, They have fewer options. But having said that, I feel like Sarri gets obsessed with these things. he was talking about how they weren't going to have much rest before the game. Uh, and then immediately after the game, he touched on it again. He said how he'd spoken to his players about it. And I remember that when Napoli almost won the league a couple of seasons ago, he became obsessed with how Napoli's matches were always after everyone else's, which added pressure. He kind of becomes obsessed with these little things. If you think about it, Lazio played at home uh, during the week and... Uh, Roma had to go um, to Eastern Europe to play their match. Then they had to fly home. They only played a few hours after Lazio on the weekend and and they won easily. And I think a lot of this issue is in, I don't know if it's all in Sarri's mind, but it's it's magnified in Sarri's mind and that probably doesn't help the situation. Um, I think this is a really disappointing result for Lazio, who I was expecting big things from this season. Um when Immobile's not when Immobile's not there, I think the drop off to Marici is is quite big, and that could be an issue going forwards. And it, it kind of highlights, I think we said how it was interesting that they let Caicedo go so easily. It seemed um, so. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I still think Lazio can pull this round. I still think Sadi can get them to have a good season, but maybe you're right, Sam, that they are a little bit short in terms of the number of, of you know kind of first team players that they have and. There is a bit of a drop-off when some of those players are missing. But yeah, I think Sarri probably makes it worse with the things he says and the kind of this kind of obsession he has with the with the calendar and when he has to play his matches. Yeah, some I don't know, something doesn't something doesn't feel quite quite like it's fitting um with Sarri at the moment, Sarri and Lazio. Something just feels um like it's not quite gonna happen for me. It feels like it's 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 not got off in the best kind of start and it just feels like it's not the right fit, um, which I thought it it might be. Um, but it just to me something just feels slightly wrong. And I wouldn't be surprised if we if we see him uh, not last a full season, actually. I hope he does because I think it it's it, if you if you hire Sally, it needs to be a longer term project. And the last two jobs that he's had, obviously he's been there only a season. So Lazio need to maybe readjust, uh, focus for for maybe for the year and just focus on the longer term plan. But something for me doesn't feel quite right. And I, uh, not that I'm on a line with Maurizio or anything, but I feel like we might see him um, go before 
before, uh, maybe not before Christmas, but I think before the end of the season. Yeah, they, they've struggled to get momentum going, really, because, of course, this result came off the back of a derby win and, and of course, a win in the Europa League. So we'll see how they go on after the international break, but it seems like that could be a really crucial period for Lazio to see exactly where they are going. Of course, a, a, across Rome, we had, we had Roma at, at home against Empoli. They picked up a 2-0 win. This was more like a sort of Mourinho performance that we're used to, a clean sheet, result never really in doubt. The one player I want to touch on, really, Francesco, is, is another player who's been recalled to his national team this week, and that's Tammy Abraham. Um, he's, he's been called up called up by England. Um, I think he's got four goals already this season. He may even have one, one or two more than that, but he's also hit the woodwork six times, and I know we've been bigging up Ozzyman, but do you think that perhaps if Tammy had been a bit more lucky, we'd be talking about him as having this outstanding start rather than a really good start? Uh, possibly. Um, I'd say he's not too far off an outstanding start, though, because um, he was, I know he didn't score at the weekend, but he was involved with both goals. And I think because of the role he plays at Roma, where he is the only striker. And they have those three offensive players, Daniolo, Pellegrini and uh, Mkhitaryan behind him. The work he has to do to help those players score is important. And he's done a really good job of that so far. They've all been scoring goals. And um, that is partly because of what Abraham's been doing. And, um, you know, you mentioned that he scored four goals. That's only in nine games. I'd say that's a, that's a pretty good return. I don't know how many assists he's got, but he's also got a few assists. So... I think he has had a, a very good start and um, the call-up is absolutely justified. He's almost kind of been the face of of this new kind of uh, Mourinho's Roma sign, hasn't he? He's kind of, he really seems to have embraced uh, the city, the fans, the club, everything. And he he and Pellegrini really have, have become the kind of the um, the face of this new kind of Roma, which which contrasts him to kind of Sarri and Lazio. It feels a little bit tired, a bit sluggish. And um, Mourinho and Abraham really have injected something into Roma and it feels like they're a club kind of on the in the right direction certainly and he, he is always involved at Abraham always involved whenever you uh, whenever whenever they score he's always he's always there or thereabouts if he hasn't put it in himself then he's he's been involved somehow but I know that I mean four goals is a good start but we have to say as well a few of those have been in the conference league which you know it's not always it's not always the, the strongest opposition but all he can do is, is play what's in front of him. And yeah, he's he's doing really well. Yeah, uh, looks like an excellent signing for them. Um, and as I say, a bit unlucky on the weekend because he, he almost scored a screamer, but it came off the bar. And Mkhitaryan... Good save. I think, he, I think he got the fingertips on it. Yeah, and, and, and then Mkhitaryan tapped it home. Um but yeah, Roma seems to be seems to be on the up after that disappointment in the derby last weekend. Um, we're now going to move on to a bit of a thriller. On was this? I think it was Sunday afternoon. This game, Sampdoria Udinese, the real excellent game. I think the standout moment, Francesco, was Candreva's goal right in the top corner. Now I know you're not a massive fan of volleys, and I, but where where do you stand on this sort of pile driver top corner when the camera's right behind it as well? Big fan of those, are you? Uh, <laughs> they're probably not my favourite goal, but having no, said that, what is, what is your favourite goal? I prefer like a more controlled team goal or like a. But my fa- my absolute favourite is like a long dribble. And okay. the chipped finish. 
chipped finish is what you want because okay. that's very deliberate. Having said that, I know that in, in Candreva's mind, the ball went exactly where he thought it was going to go because he tries this about uh, 16 times every game. And um, but, I mean, I, I'm, I'm exaggerating. I actually think Candreva's had, uh, you know, on a more serious note, I think he's had a great start to the season. Yes. And um, also Sandaria generally have had a, a really good start to the season, I think, in terms of what they've done on the pitch. Um, and it's quite disappointing, actually, that they weren't able to win this game because they've had a really tough uh, start in terms of their fixture list. They've already played Napoli, Milan, Inter and Juve. And they're actually only a couple of points off the relegation zone. And I feel like their play has deserved a lot more. And they could have done with winning this game. So it's a bit disappointing that they weren't able to do that. But I think Candreva's had a great start to the season. And I think Sandaria, on the whole, have actually are actually playing quite well. So I, I do expect them to climb the table. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point you make about Candreva getting a lot of practice in. I remember I used to think exactly the same about him when he was at Inter with his crossing. He just used to cross the ball when there was no one anywhere near the penalty box sometimes. And I think, well, eventually someone will be in the penalty box and it will be an amazing cross, but he's just put 10 in that are absolutely rubbish. So perhaps perhaps uh, practice makes perfect, as they say. Um Another side that's down there, but they finally got a win. Salonitana have got their first win back in Serie A. I've got to say, I'm delighted for them. Um, also, because I'm not really a massive fan of Genoa. I think I've made that a bit clear over the last year or so. Um, but very, very good for Salonitana. And they've been better the last three or four games. It's sort of been coming, I think, James. So... What do you think sort of changed for them the last three or four games? Are they just a bit more settled in Serie A now? And do you now give them, a, you know, a glimmer of hope of staying up this year? I think it's maybe a little early to say, but they've definitely been better defensively. Um, if you have a look at the last the last few games, they've, they've stopped conceding as much as they had. Um, I think they lost a couple one nil the last couple of games, so it's certainly been coming. And um, yeah, like you say, Genoa are the side you kind of want to play when you, when you need a result. I was listening to um, Rafa Honigstein the other day on a on a podcast, and he, he said the Germans have a, a word for an, an opponent an opponent that you that always gift you points that you want to play um, when you're in need of three points. And Genoa are that team in Syria. Whenever you need a result, uh, you turn up um, at Marassi or well, you know Genoa come and you inevitably get a result and that's that's what happened for Salernitana so yeah I hope, I hope they can take take kind of a bit of, of heat from that and keep going but it's too early to say whether it's um, whether they're going to be pulled down or not or um, I, I certainly expect them to be towards the bottom five anyway yeah but I um, I think they've given themselves a chance of staying up now and it's it's amazing to see how quickly it turned around I think after three games, they conceded 12 goals. And since then, they've only conceded three. And um, it was looking desperate for them. I, I was worried that it was going to be like a record-breaking season in the negative. But um, now they're just one point off safety. They picked up their first win, their first draw, a couple of clean sheets. It's looking much better for Salernitana. And, um, you know, we know they've got some interesting attacking players. So if they can shore themselves up defensively, I think they have a chance of staying up. Yeah, you're, you're right. After those first few games, it did look a bit like sort of Benevento a few years back. And I remember Benevento then went out in January, I think, and bought like Bakary Sanya and Sandro and all these players. They just, they just got really desperate. Um, 
But no, San Latana are, are giving themselves a chance. You're right. Um, Verona uh, got a big win against Spezia this weekend, 4 0. Um, now, I know we talked about this. I'll, I'll come to you first, Francesco, on this. Um, we talked a few weeks back about how we thought that Di Francesco had perhaps been a bit harshly treated getting sacked after, what was it, three games at Verona. But they've picked up a couple of impressive wins since then, haven't they, against, you know, Roma and then, of course, this weekend. So is there maybe some vindication behind that or do you still think that it was ridiculous what happened with Di Francesco? No, I think you'd have to say that they did the right thing. Um, I th- I think since then they've had some very good performances, and but but they've looked like a completely different team. They've looked a lot more solid generally, and this weekend they you know they also scored four goals. Um, their you know their performance has improved, and I f- I think whilst it seems completely unfair to sack a manager after three games. Uh, I'm sure that the precedent of last season with Cagliari must have been weighing on Verona's mind when they made that decision. That the fact that he struggled so much last season for Cagliari and, and almost got them relegated, and they were just able to save themselves right at the end of the season. I'm guessing that uh, Verona decided we're gonna we're gonna make this decision early and give ourselves a much better chance. And you're right, Sam, to say that it looks like it is. You know, it's already been vindicated. I think it was undoubtedly the right decision. And, and it might sound harsh, but I, Francesco, I think, is absolutely spot on there. I think they've looked at what happened last season with Cagliari and they've thought, well, this guy's going to take us down. And Verona are in a, Hellas are in, a, in a very sensitive position, I think, because they've definitely overachieved the last couple of years. And I think a lot of that was down to Juric doing a great job. And I think they had to get that appointment right. They had to get it right because it could easily have turned. And I think fair play to them after a few games have just looked at it and thought, you know what, we, we might have made the wrong decision here. And I think you've got to commend them for having the kind of the gumption to to admit they were wrong and make a change. And whether Tudor's going to be better, um, we'll have to wait and see because obviously he's not really got much pedigree at this kind of a, at this level. So we just have to see whether that was the right thing to do but I think Di Francesco is it's harsh on him maybe but you can't you can't really see where he goes from here um because Cagliari really hurt his reputation and I just don't see how how he gets another job in Serie A for, for a number of years really but I hope they do manage to to kick on because they're, they're in a healthy kind of position um the kind of mid-table alas I think. I think maybe just inside the bottom half, yeah. yeah. Just inside. Like you say, a couple of big wins. So, I, yeah, I think it was absolutely the right decision. And I think they will will kind of push on and, and maybe finish mid-table again. Yes, yeah, it's, it's looking that way. I, I was stunned that they appointed Di Francesco in the first place. I don't know what they saw in his last couple of jobs that made them think he was the right person. But um, Nothing. Nothing, but yeah. There we go. It's it's a bit of that. There's there's sort of a situation in England at the moment with Watford sacking their manager after seven games, and there's a bit of discussion as to whether that's too early. They've brought in Claudio Ranieri now, so we'll have to see with that. Um, yeah, the, these sackings early in the season do, of course, cause debate, but it's looking like Verona probably have got this one right. And, and we'll move on finally uh, from the weekend uh, to a former Di Francesco side, Cagliari. They drew one all with Venezia. Um, 
James, is is there any way that these two sides aren't involved in a relegation battle this season? That that's just the way it's sort of shaping up. I, I know that Calgary have some decent players, but they've been in this position the last couple of years, and it doesn't seem to really be getting better, does it? Yeah, no, I'm worried about them actually. I am a little worried about them. I think for Venezia it's different because they've obviously obviously come up for the first time in, in kind of 20 years and they'll be expecting a relegation scrap. They'll be ready for that and they'll base their season as a success around whether they avoid relegation or not. And for Calgary, it's different because they've been down there, they've expected better and it's just not happening. So I could see at a certain point, players like João Pedro, uh, maybe Nandes as well, who I think is a good player, Marin as well, who might just think, you know what, I don't fancy another relegation scrap and just not having the the heart and the 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 desire to go through it again with, with Cagliari, whereas Venezia will be ready for that and they'll put everything on the line to stay in the league. And I just think it's gone on for, for what, maybe a year too many at Cagliari and that, that might just cost them that players just cannot face another another fight. Surely one of Cagliari or Genoa's got to go down this year. They I like Genoa. They can't keep hanging on. I don't know. Um, what I like Genoa. It's a great club. Yeah, in, in terms of history, yes. But you can't like what you've seen from Genoa the last three or four years. It's been dismal. Yeah. Um, I, feel, but, I feel like Genoa, Genoa have got a better than Cagliari's season. I, I, I think Mazzari is a, is a horrible appointment. I I just don't. I don't know. Um, he plays like a, a crazy formation: three, three, six, one. I, yeah, I, I'm. I think Kayari should be doing much better than they are, and um, I am genuinely worried for them. I think they could be in trouble because the, the the other thing is that all the promoted sides who I thought might struggle, all of a sudden they seem to be doing okay. Um, you know. For Veneta, that's I think that's a decent point, and they've picked up. You know, they picked up their first win a couple of weeks ago. Sadani Thana won for the first time this weekend, so all of those sides look alive. And um, yeah, Kayari have to be really careful. I definitely think they're in the they're going to be in a relegation battle this season. Yeah, it looks like at, at least two of those promoted sides have a, have a reasonable chance of staying up. So, so we could see a couple of sides who, who've been in Serie A a while go down this year. Uh, we'll have to see how that pans out. Um, that wraps up the uh, review of the weekend. And, that, and now we're going to quickly touch on what's to come over the next few days. And that, of course, is the Nations League, which we've all been looking forward to for ages, haven't we? Oh, it's, the Nations League is back. Oh, yes. I'm um, excited. I, I am excited, but it's it's been ridiculous that we haven't had any fixed in this competition for about 18 months or whatever it is. Um, but it is back. Um, and that means that on Wednesday, we have Italy playing Spain. And on Thursday, we have Belgium playing France. And then the two winners will play each other on the weekend to determine the 2020-2021 UEFA Nations League champions. So Italy against Spain. We saw this game, of course, Francesco, in the Euro semi-finals, And I think Spain probably, Spain edged that game, I think, on the day. But Italy, of course, got through on penalties and then went on and won the tournament. So do you expect the two sides to, um, to sort of shape up quite similarly with Spain playing that false line again? Um, and if they do, how will Italy look to combat that? Yeah, for me, Spain, whilst I don't necessarily think they're the best team in the world, I do think that 
for Italy, it is the most difficult fixture because of the styles matchup. I think Spain are so good at keeping the ball, which is something that Italy have made their own strength over the last two or three seasons. That and and Italy really struggled with that within the Euros. You're right against everyone else, they they probably had the better of them, but not against Spain. I think that was definitely the most difficult fixture. Um, in terms of the of, of how Mancini goes about, you know, confronting Spain. Uh, I've got a feeling he might go with a false nine himself um, because Immobile's not there, Belotti's not there. So, and, you know, none of the other kind of strikers have had a great start to the season. Um, we spoke a little bit about Raspadori. He started off, you know, the first day he scored. I don't think he scored since then. Keane hasn't has had at moments at Juve, but, you know, hasn't really settled properly. And you could probably argue that um, Daniolo has had a pretty good start to the season. He looks in form, um, you know, and he also has the kind of technical and physical characteristics that could probably hurt Spain. He's he's fast. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him kind of playing in that role with Chiesa and Insigne either side. And yeah, that, that could probably cause Spain some problems. But um, we'll see how Mancini decides to go about it. I hope that he has... Uh, and I'm sure he has taken into account what what happened during the Euros because I think Italy were a little bit lucky to get through that game and they possibly will have to to play a bit better on Wednesday. Um, and also the home advantage, I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a, or a bad thing because when you do play against Spain and they monopolise the ball, it can make everyone a bit tense. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, of course, perhaps another idea would be Chiesa playing as the false nine and Berardi on the right. That That's maybe a possibility. Um, yeah, I I, I yeah. think, you know, you asked James earlier on in the pod of what he thought about Chiesa. I'm in agreement with him. I think he is probably better coming off one of the wings. Um, and for me, Zaniolo could definitely do a good job of being that central player. So that's that's what I would go with. They're, they're all pretty interchangeable. I mean, you could go with Chiesa in the middle and Zaniolo out wide or, or Berardi. I mean, Berardi is playing well as well. So, yeah, they, they have options. Um, we'll see what happens. And then, James, uh, j- just want to ask you, uh, with the other semi-final, Belgium, France, of course, we saw Italy get the better of Belgium in the Euros. France, you know, on paper, maybe have the best team in the world. I think everyone feels they really underachieved at the Euros in the summer. So who do you feel that Italy would rather play in the final if they can get past Spain? Not talking about international football. It's finished for me. It's <laughs> over. Not with Francesco. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I don't um, I don't think they mind. I honestly think it, Italy will Italy will fancy anybody, to be honest. Their confidence is sky high. We've seen that in some of the comments. Um, particularly from Bonucci, who seems intent to to keep reliving that final. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit says. much, isn't it? I know. It's yeah, a bit, it's a bit unnecessary. I don't know why he doesn't shut up more, Bonucci. He'd, that would be you know he'd improve a lot as a person if he just kept his mouth shut. He seems to. Yeah. He could learn from Kellini, I think, a bit. And that is yeah. something he. It just is much but but the confidence is high. That's that's the point, and I think they they could they would rightly fancy either of Belgium or France. Um, France obviously play a very specific way. We know that they're very well drilled, organised. They're not going to hit you with particularly 
like Spain, like a possession kind of game, or they're not going to hit you with um, like England with the, with the kind of the pace on the wing so much. They, they play quite tight and try and suffocate the game. So I think they might fear Belgium slightly more just because they might be wary of um, a Belgian backlash um, to what happened at the Euros. They might have a little bit of revenge on their minds, but Italy shouldn't fear anybody because I think they they're absolutely brilliant team and you list the options there even with Immobile out with Belotti out they do have a different options that they could go with Zaniolo is, is a player who who obviously didn't feature in the summer but we know his ability um, Raspadori can play that role and, and can play very well Keane as well so not only have they got players who have had, had a great summer and, and led them well they've got other players younger players who are there now as well who can make a big impact. So they, they shouldn't fear anybody and um, I won't be watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it promises to be an exciting few days actually with, with four of the best five sides in Europe uh, ready to take part and, and England uh, involved in some World Cup qualifiers. So uh, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But no, no, two fascinating games in there and then the final to come uh, and Italy have every chance. Um, but that, that brings you to the end of the episode. Thanks a lot, Francesca and James, for joining me. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And, and we'll, we'll uh, speak to you again next week. Bye-bye.